Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of NASCAR Radio. This is episode number 29. I'm your pal Val, and Jason is off today. we got a quick show for you today. We're going to recap Texas, and then we're going to play a previous segment all about the 1972 STP set. We've got a lot of new people listening now. We have questions about vintage, and since the 1972 STP, it's kind of the first full set with drivers on it, even though it was a giveaway in 1972, is it really is a vintage set slash instrumental in the NASCAR trading card circle. So it's one of those sets that singles are highly desirable. They rarely come up for sale, and it just really is a cool giveaway slash set. So Enjoy that, and then we'll be back next week after the Martinsville race where the final four will be locked up. Super excited for the final race in Phoenix. So let's talk about Texas. What a weekend slash half week, I guess you could say. So last weekend we were in Texas for the Xfinity truck and cup race. First up was the... O'Reilly Auto Parts 300, where we saw Harrison Burton beat Noah Greskin on the last turn, coming to the finish line. This was devastating for Noah. Noah was one of the eight trying to walk in for the final four in Phoenix, with Harrison Burton sneaking past him and getting that win. Uh, Harrison Burton is out of the running for the champ or in that championship eight. So all he had on the line was the win. Um, and Noah had so much more if he had what had won. So it was devastating for Noah. Great for Harrison Burton. We've talked about Harrison Burton before where his cards are in the 2012 total memorabilia. He's a, a really young kid on that card. And then he's got cards starting in 2017 Panini, absolute, I believe. Uh, love Harrison Burton and no aggression, so it was um, it was really interesting to watch that. And you know, you, if you watched the race, you saw Harrison Burton just coming for Noah, and Noah was doing everything he could, but Harrison just kept on coming those last couple of laps, and then to get him that last turn. So, really um, great race there. So at the end. And then on Sunday, we had a doubleheader starting with the Gander RV and Outdoors Truck Series, where we saw Sheldon Creed win. He is one of the uh, championship eight, and so he punched his ticket for Phoenix to be one of the final four to be eligible to win the championship in Phoenix. So, so even though they go to Martinsville this week, uh, he's locked in and, doesn't, and really doesn't have to worry about how he finishes in Martinsville. Always naturally want to finish well, get your team, keep your team fresh and, and everything. So uh, the interesting thing, uh, it's interesting thing card-wise for Sheldon Creed is that he doesn't have any cards. I know the trucks are in the, the lower level, and this is where I feel where Dunruss is a perfect opportunity for, you know, having a bigger set, having all of the Cup, Xfinity, and truck drivers in those sets. So instead of maybe some of the other things that they do to include some of these guys. But anyway, 
uh, Sheldon Creed locks himself into the final four for Phoenix. So that is super exciting. And then the second half of the doubleheader, which everybody knows, what a mess. They started the race. They were able to get first 52 <laughs> laps in, and then the rain came down. And then they tried to get the race running on Monday, and that was rained out. And then on Tuesday, that was rained out. And then they were able to finally get it Wednesday night, uh, which was interesting. Somebody on Twitter had um, – uh, they used the air titans to drive the track, and so they were keeping track of all the air titans and who was leading the most uh, stage laps. So that was really funny, and, and um, I got a chuckle out of that. So, so in dark under under the lights in Texas, Kyle Busch was able to get his win of the season and extend his winning streak. One win at least in the last 16 seasons. Incredible. Even though he's not one of the championship eight or finalists, eight finalists, uh, he you could tell that win meant everything to him, even though they weren't locked in or, or, or eligible to move on to Phoenix. He was definitely like a weight was over his, off his shoulders, and he mentioned that you know the, this was a 16-year streak that he wanted to keep going. So with that win, Kyle Busch now has – 57 wins. He's in 10th spot. He is one behind Kevin Harvick at 58. Uh, there's a big gap between Kevin Harvick and Dale Earnhardt Sr. with 76. But to be ninth or 10th all-time in wins is incredible. With his two championships, definitely will go down as one of the great. We've talked about his cards before. Uh, his rookies are in 2004. He does have a 2002 choice. Uh, it was produced by kind of a third party. But Press Pass and Wheels, those were produced in 2004. He's got autographs and parallels. They're not too expensive when you compare him to the other sport. You know, his autographs are probably uh, $40, $50 at this point for 2004 rookie autographs, which I still think is a great deal compared to some of the other sports. And considering he's going to be a future Hall of Famer and uh, as more folks get into the sport or collect him, they are off the market. Base cards vary in price, but they're still from a few dollars to, you know, maybe $10 or whatever. There's some parallels, like I said, and, and numbered stuff. They might tend to increase a little bit in price, but, there's a lot to collect. Like I said, he's a future Hall of Famer. Can't go wrong with Kyle Busch. So it was really awesome. I was glad to see him win and continue that streak, even though he's out of the championship race picture. But that just makes Martinville so much tighter right now, uh, where the next three will be selected. Joey Logano has punched his ticket already for Phoenix. But Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, and Brad Keselowski right now are above the line. We have Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Martin Truex, and Kurt Busch fighting to get into those spots. So a lot can happen. It's still pretty tight. A lot of points on the line in Martinsville. So it will be very interesting. Martinsville will be uh, make or break for 
seven of these guys that are trying to make it into Phoenix. So Joey Logano is the one that's sitting there going, <laughs> looking at these guys uh, with no pressure at all. So Martinsville is going to be an awesome race. I'm so looking forward to it. And then going over the list next week with all you great listeners of the cards and who we might or who we think might win the championship. So we'll go deeper into their finishes at Phoenix next week and their cards naturally. So, But it was uh, very interesting with the rain delay. Hadn't really seen that in a long time. It made me think of Talladega, oh, I don't know if it was 20 years ago, where it was rained out on Sunday and then rained out on Monday, I believe, and then they didn't ran it like on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe it was. So I had tickets and I was there, but uh, I couldn't make the uh, rescheduling. So, which makes me uh, think of one other subject is Eddie Gossage, who is, I believe, the president of Texas Motor Speedway. They mentioned, and this was amazing why I love NASCAR so much, all the diehard fans that were there Wednesday who got scanned in for seats or who entered the facility, they're going to get hot passes for the All-Star Race, which will be the first year that's in Texas next year. But that was an amazing gesture by the track for the loyal fans. And a hot pass, if you don't remember, that gets you into the garage and pit road so you can go to the haulers that are behind the fences in the garage area, see the drivers, see the guys working on the cars. So that was a great freebie for all those fans. So uh, congratulations to all those fans for next year's All-Star Race. So so I want to leave it there. Uh, Next up is our uh, previously recorded segment on the 1972 STP set. It's one of the, or I should say, uh, after the 1970 Flair drag strip, which is really only two cards and there's no pictures of drivers, the 1972 STP set was the first set that was a 10 or 11 card set that featured the drivers without their helmet, without the car, and a bio on the back. So it was really, to me, the first NASCAR trading card set, even though it wasn't mass-produced. It is heavily chased. Uh, it is They rarely come up for sale, and when they do, they get snapped up. So it's a great set with, you know, rookies of Richard Petty and Bobby Allison and, and all those legends uh, that are in the Hall of Fame. So so enjoy that segment, and then um, we will catch you next week. So um, I know we're going to talk about the 72 STP set next, and I have to mention something, and hopefully, you know, what we've talked about this whole time in doing this show is, you know, just educating people. Um, and I will be the first one to admit that I've been educated so much uh, with the racing and the NASCAR cards. But I have to tell you a little story, very brief. We actually went to a flea market yesterday up where we live. Uh, we're in Pennsylvania. We live on National Pike, Route 40, so National Road. Uh, so, of course, there's all kinds of holiday events. We actually went to a flea market yesterday, and there was a guy that had a couple random racing cards on his table. Um, So I jumped up, went over and looked, 
and I actually thought that they were what we talked about on the last show, the whatever year you want to call them, the 70-71 Fleer, those 10-card sets, the uh, the STP. The drag strips. Yes. I actually thought it was those at first, um, and it's kind of funny that we're talking about the 72s today because that's actually what they were. But uh, he had two or three cards. I never even asked price because never even clicked. Um, but it, it's just funny because eight, ten weeks ago, whenever we started this, I would have had no clue what they were. But now that we've talked about stuff a few times, I've seen pictures and articles. Um, I didn't know exactly what they were. Um, I knew they were one or the other, but then after I looked at them, I knew that they were maybe the lesser popular or lesser scarce. Uh, but, you know, without doing this show and without talking to you, I would have had no clue uh, what they were. So I definitely hope that, you know, we can help some other people feel the same way I did yesterday. Yeah, it, and that I think is the best, and that's what we're doing this, is the best feeling is, you know, a lot of people either don't collect racing, and when you stumble upon stuff, and you have an idea of what it is, and you know maybe you can get a bargain, and uh, and and also make sure you don't get taken. So um, that's awesome. So they must have been like Emo Langley's or something like that. Those are more. I mean, I'm really well, they had who, who they were. Yeah, and you know, and the the event is once a month. Uh, so maybe if we go back next month, uh, I can check them out and see if the guy just happens to be there again. I think there were two or three cards, but the reason that I knew that they weren't uh, the earlier set, uh, the drag strips, was because the cards had numbering on the back. And one of the cards was like number 42 or 45 or something like that, so I knew right away that it wasn't the earlier set. Oh, so it wasn't, a, it wasn't an STP then. It was something else. Because the STP yeah, had no numbering. Uh, okay, so excuse me, not the FTP. It was the Fleer AHRA drag. Yes. Okay. That's what it was. Sorry, the wrong one. But I knew that it was, you know, not like one or the other. But I knew it was in that time frame. Uh, but I was definitely looking to see if it was the early drag strip cards. But yeah, it was definitely the '72 Fleer AHRA cards. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, I was thinking about this a little bit more because um, I knew we were going to talk about this today. You know, the FLIR was produced, the, the 1970 FLIR and drag strips were produced by FLIR, available in wax packs, or, you know, um, yeah, it was a wax pack with stickers. And it probably had a large print run. But the 72 STP, they weren't available in packs. They weren't available in, you know, there was no card company. It wasn't Tops, wasn't Clear, wasn't um, Don Ross or anybody. Um, they, these were produced by Annie Granatelli of STP fame. Um, he was really big in the racing, like we talked about, um, you know, the, the whole 70 Fleer drag strips with the STP logo on it and stuff. And this is one of the sets where I couldn't find a lot of information in. So this took me numerous years to learn about these sets. 
<clears throat> and then everybody's got the benefits of, of, of learning what I've learned. And I wanted to share uh, naturally. So, and we had talked about it last time, like, you know, trying to date them and, and stuff like that. Right. These have a full color photo on front and then some writing on the back. Uh, there's a few sentences about the driver's accomplishments or performance and and has a zodiac sign. And they all say compliments of SDP Corporation and they give the address 125 Oakton Street, um, Del Plains, Illinois, and color by Racing Pictorial Magazine. And they give their addresses, P.O. Box 500, Indianapolis, Indiana. <clears throat> And some of that, there's clues in in that statement. Um, Racing Pictorial Magazine was a magazine that came out, I think it started in 59, and they used color photos. Everybody else was shooting black and white films for the newspapers and stuff like that. And uh, Racing Pictorial was run by Ray Mann. He was a photographer. And if you look at some of these early, early 70s photos of Racing Pictorial, you see some of these same photos that you see on the STP cards. They might be a couple of uh, shutter clicks away. And so, you know, on the back, I guess we can go into the two things. One is maybe when the cards were made and the second one is how they were distributed. I guess we'll go with the, the latter first. So I contacted, I've seen them on eBay. You never find a set. They were not in the wax or anything like that. And the folks were saying that and they got them from Andy Grantelli at Speed Street in 72, 1972, uh, Daytona week in Daytona, Florida. And some of the drivers in the set, I think it's a 11-card set, 11-card um, set featuring 10 different drivers. Fred Lorenzen has two different cards. And so Benny Parson, Bobby Allison, Buddy Baker, Charlie Glosbach, Dave Marcus, Emo Langley, uh, Fred Lorenzen has two cards, James Hilton, Dick Brooks, and Richard Petty. Those are the drivers. I was, after years searching, I found the cards. They don't show up on eBay as much as other cards do. Um, I think these are really small print runs. Like I said, around the, the, you know, when you talk about 1970 clear drag strips, it probably had a large print run. Andy Grant Telly, you know, there was no distribution for these other than handouts at the tracks. You know, I broke down the verbiage on every one of the cards to find out what the verbiage was talking about and what race and what the earliest could have been that the cards were produced. And usually everything falls into around mid-June of 71. Um, some fall into maybe... Um, mid-July of 71, but everything falls into um, the latest of July 18th of 1971. So the best that could have been done is uh, had those written and then produced. And so they could have been given away at the fall of 71 and then in the 72 season. Some people have talked about um, there was a track in either California, uh, later in the races that they got them. And so they're in that time range uh, of right there in that, you know, 72. And what's interesting about the 72 
Daytona is uh, one person said they got all the cards except, and they only got one of the Lorenzans and not two. So let's go back to the Lorenzans. There's two Lorenzans. One is a close-up of him, like a portrait. And there's another one, him kneeling next to the car. And in 1971, he ran, STP sponsored him. So Harry Lorenzen raced and then retired, I think it was in 65. And then he came back for a small stint. And Fred Lorenzen and Andy Grandatelli knew each other. Uh, they're both from Illinois. Uh, Andy Grandatelli, actually, I think I had said before, had a little circuit of race, you know, a little racing circuit where he's a promoter. And um, there was an article that basically, I think it was in 71, about them getting back together. And this was STP's, you know, they sponsored the car. And I think it was 14 races that they ran in, in 71. But I say all that to say that in 72, Fred Lorenzen didn't run the 1972 STP. And that people had said that Fred Lorenzo was also handing out cards in 1972 at Daytona. Let me pull up his stuff. So it kind of, I know it's somewhat commuted, but uh, he ran 14 in 71 and then eight races in 72. And Darlington was his first race. And he wasn't sponsored by STP. He was sponsored by Lemon Tree Inn. Those 14 races in 71... He was sponsored by STP. So, and then, and famously, in 1972, so it looks like Andy Granatelli had backed Fred Lorenzen for sponsoring the car and then switched famously to Richard Petty in 1972. So, uh, using some of this backstory, so the fact that Lorenzen's got two cards makes me think that maybe the cards were printed in late 71 because later Prior in the season, in 72... Uh, you know, with the contract ending, um, right. it would be different to have him with a card next to a car, next to the STP car, as opposed to just a portrait type of thing. So he did run some races late in '71. He ran. Um, I think my notes say um, like the race number 30 or 31 in the '71 season. And that he ran Talladega, which was race 37, and then Dover, which is race 43. So it could have been a real small run of him by the car. And that is the, the rarest card that I know of. In the last, what year is it, 2019, um, I guess the last 14 years I've seen about three. Um, it's really so tough. So which one is the rarest card? Him kneeling Sorry. next to the STP car. Uh, so, if you go okay, to so. Racing Card Info and go on yep. the checklist the 1972 STP, you'll see the cars or cards, and you can see him kneeling next to the car. The backs are identical. I was able to get um, the photo of the front and the photo of the back that um, there's a, a gentleman in Texas who has one. So I can so, verify you had mentioned earlier that somebody said they got 10 cards and got one of the Lorenzans, not both. So do you know for sure if these were handed out individually or as a group of 10? 
my first question. So I think at Daytona they might have been handed out as 10, or I don't know if some were handing out some and some were handing out others. I have other folks that say that they were in the press. There was a, a gentleman who was a, when he was a child, his dad worked in the press booth, and that Fred Lorenzen and I think Manny um, were there, and they had handed those out. Okay. Because that would absolutely make sense that if the one of him kneeling is, in your opinion, the rarest card out there, that would make sense if it was randomly inserted uh, in these packs of 10 and replaced his, his base card, we'll call it. Uh, I mean, that would make sense, you know, to produce some sort of chase element to it. I mean, there's nothing that tells me they wouldn't have done that. Uh, you know, companies were doing that 100 years before that even so, or not 100 years, but you know what I mean. And uh, so it definitely seems like an element that they could have added in. Um, but like you said, it would be nice to just, you know, have some numbering or have some definite answers on it. Yeah, the back of his card actually, the, at the last race it references is race number 23 of the season, which was June 13th of 1971. So it's possible that they did the one with him next to the car to give out. Either maybe it was a good promotion or he decided with Ray Mann, hey, let's do the rest of these guys or do some of these guys. And, you know, again, at that age or at that time, it was all about promoting STP. Um, and not necessarily, I don't think, the cards. And I had contacted him through the mail and asked him some questions if he knew, remembered anything. And he said, unfortunately, he did not. And that... Um, you know, there was so much stuff going on, and this was, I think it was a couple of years ago. Let me pull this out of here. Yeah, I, um, I kind of sent him a 1972 STP set questionnaire. And I wrote down some questions, and I said, do you know where and when the 72 STP cards were given out? And he said, at racetracks. And, uh, and why are there two different Fred Lorenzen cards? He said he didn't remember and uh, who printed or produced the cards and how many were made. He said he didn't remember those either. And then any other thoughts or comments about the 1972 STP set? He said, no, sorry, all of this was 39 years ago, and I have uh, crossed a million bridges since then. And this is Granitelli, right? Yep. He said, I, I do not remember much of the above, and assigned Andy. Now, by any chance, did you ever try, and I know nothing about Lorenzen, like, his life and death or anything like that, did you ever reach out to him or were you able to? So I um, I will have not been able to talk to him about it. Uh, he has uh, dementia and uh, he, he's actually um, in like assisted living facility now and he has good days and bad days. I've contacted his daughter uh, and I actually sent him uh, one of those articles um, and I had contacted her because he was still signing still. But he had, like I said, had good days and bad days. And I had, um, had asked if he, he would sign one of my STP cards, which he did. So that's the other thing, too, is I've been working on an autograph set of the 1970 STPs. Like I said, with me, um, I've just gotten some feet first and got a lot of stuff autographed by folks. I'm only missing the Benny Parsons, I think, and the Dick Brooks, but I have the rest. 
uh, autographed. So you have so, nine of the eleven autographed. Yes. So the other, this is going off on a tangent here, but the other two that you're missing, um, what has been the difficulty in getting those two particularly signed? Uh, the two are uh, Benny Parsons and Dick Brooks. So they both passed away, and okay. um, and since they hardly show up on the market unsigned, I have not seen them on the market signed. Gotcha. So if they pop up or anybody has any, um, I would definitely be interested in acquiring them. So you know, I guess I was you know twenty or thirty years late on this set um, to try to pursue it and, and unearth some of the key elements to it. And that's, you know, I look at it like the early uh, baseball card sets or maybe why things happened. You know, we look at it different than the the folks who maybe produced it or the mindset was totally different back then than it, than it is now with collecting. But, but it's really a cool set. Um, like I said, very tough. Um, I've been working on a PSA created suit as well. What's your progress uh, on that? I'm curious. Some of them I have fallen back on because I've cracked them out to get them autographed. Oh, okay. So I figured it was easier for me to find new ones than to find them autographed if I had the opportunity to get them autographed. Um, okay. And then about, about scarcity. So some um, – so, so there's another thought I have on this. <clears throat> so I had mentioned Rayman. He was part of Racing Collectibles, and mm -hmm. he, he must have helped produced them because Rayman kind of closed up shop and closed his racing pictorial magazine in the mid 80s. I think it was 85, 86. And a gentleman named Dane Turner purchased his, his assets, everything. And I think Rayman was just getting ready to, to retire. And I talked to Dane a little bit about this. And so Dane Turner had all of the images um, the, other, the other thing Rayman produced is a placemat. If you've ever seen Racing Pictorial, there's a placemat. I think it's 11 by 17. And on the front is a, a nice image, color image, and then on the back it's got information on it. And so I think he thought uh, instead of cards, he was going to produce these placemats. And, you know, it actually made a great sense, right? So uh, the guys could get these placemats and put them on their tables. Maybe the wife would them. I don't know. Or he, they can hang them and display them. Um, and so Rayman, Rayman, Dane Turner purchased the, all the, this. And in there were the 72 STPs uh, and some other sets we'll talk about uh, in future episodes. He was big in the cards and everything, and he actually produced um, the first racing card price guide. And that was Racing Collectibles Price Guide. And that started the first issue, volume one, number one, was December of 1989. And it, when he produced that price guide and later on, um, people who subscribe to the price guides, uh, he actually um, had some sell sheets that you could buy some cards. Okay. And in that, and I think that's why some of them are more common than others, like uh, the Emil Langley and um, Buddy Baker. I think those are the two that are easier to find than the others. Uh, over my uh, last hunt for these, the Bobby Allison is really tough. 
but then Parsons is really tough. Um, we've already talked about the Fred Lorenzen next to Carl. The regular Fred Lorenzen is also tough. Um, Richard Petty is not that tough, but they get snapped up pretty quick just because. And I don't know if he's a – I guess he's a considered XCR, XRCs um, since they weren't available in packs or anything like that. But they're highly desirable, very, very tough to find. You know, the first time that the NASCAR drivers are depicted on cars, uh, not in the cars, like the 70 drag strips. And, again, um, you know, details a little bit about their, their 1971 season. I know that's a lot of information to, to digest. You know what? Every episode is a lot of information to digest because I'm so <laughs> new to it. But, uh, you know, just to give everybody out there a little idea of the pricing of these cards and the scarcity, so I'm looking as we're talking and looking up certain drivers as we're going through, and I noticed Richard Petty does not have an, a 72 STP card currently on eBay. Um, however, there was a completed auction, a sold auction for a signed version that was almost $500. Uh, so definitely... Definitely pricey for the signed ones and hard to find. Yeah, and I guess when I say they're they're tough to find, and the prices can vary. Um, it all depends on who's looking. I think a PSA right nine. Yeah, so I I think it was a was it a Fred Lorenzen next to the car or was it maybe it was next to the car and I think it was a PSC seven. It went for two thousand dollars. Uh, and that's, I think, the gentleman is on the PSA registry set. Um, they come up more often than not, not graded. Uh, I've been contacted by uh, some folks, and, um, you know, I kind of tell them that they probably need to get them graded. There is a PSA 9 STP PSA, um, and not necessarily to, to dig on that, but. I'm not a big fan of that nine. That nine's got some yellowing around his head, and then, but I do have a nine um, BGS. Um, that was probably the most expensive card that I purchased, the single card that I purchased. Um, but otherwise, in that, um, you know, they're looking, they're looking at like a thirty-dollar range to maybe a couple hundred. I think that Bobby Allison went for a few hundred. Um, so they're not thousands of dollars. We're not talking about Michael Jordan numbers. <laughs> um, right. But they're so scarce. That's why I was trying to say is I don't even know what the print run is. They probably could be less than 100, less than 200. Um, again, they've had to survive all this time. Um, the gentleman that had the PSA 9 and some of the other stuff, his grandfather had them, and I think they had them in a book. So they weren't handled. They were never back then there were no protective card holders or right. whatever. That's, that's the other thing too I see is back when the price guides and stuff came out and these were sold, the, the plastic screw downs were big and people put the plastic put them in the plastic screw downs with no penny slating. Now that gloss adheres over time to that plastic and I can't tell you how many I've seen um, where they've taken it apart and it's stuck to the front. So you will see numerous cards that the paper's missing from the edges or one of the edges. 
and that is why. Yeah, because that's one of the first things you see, uh, like on Facebook groups or Twitter, you know, a person that has a card, they'll say, how much is this worth? And it's in a screw down. And the first thing that people will say was, no matter what, take it out of there. Uh, first thing, because what you think it is before you take it out might not be what it is after. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely, you know, those were the, the thing back in the late 80s, but now that people have left them in there for years, it's uh, more more harm than good. So, Yeah, and that's probably one of the things where I got burned once or twice on something like that. And then, um, so now when people contact me, you know, like, you know, send, send them to PSA, send them to BGS, whatever, um, get them in a protective holder, and then we can talk. Have a thing. So, so that was the previously recorded 1972 STP segment. Again, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. Please leave a review. Let your friends know if you're new to NASCAR trading cards and have questions. You can always reach out to me, your pal Val, at NASCAR Radio on Twitter or NASCARRadio.com or my sister site, racingcardinfo.com. There's all kinds of information, old price guides, before Beckett, uh, out there on the site with articles and stuff. So I'm trying to upload more, but there are some um, articles out there that from the old original days in the late 80s, early 90s. So enjoy, and we can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Have a great day. Bye.